as we've been doing uh, the last four Sundays, Adopted by God, has been this series. And today's the last uh, of those messages. And it's been so good to see what it means to be adopted by God. You know, last Sunday after the service was over, um, one of the young ladies that sit, sit in the back, she came up to me afterwards and she said, uh, what, what you shared, I want to be baptized. And I said, so you prayed the prayer this morning? And she said, I hadn't. I said, well, would you like to receive Jesus Christ and be adopted by God? And she said, yes, I would. And so right afterwards, right here, and we just circled together, uh, Zeria Wilson prayed to receive Jesus last Sunday morning. And so she's going to be baptized next Sunday. And so isn't that awesome? Because even in this adoption series, there's one person that says, yeah, I want to be adopted by God. You know, if you could think of someone in this world that you would like to be adopted by, who would it be? Who would it be? I'm not talking about God, okay? That's a given, all right? I'm talking about a person, a man. Who would you like to be adopted by and why? Just think about that. Some of you that might like sports, you might be thinking of someone in sports. Some of you that might be thinking about, hey, somebody got a lot of money. Bill Gates. Oh, yeah, Bill Gates. Well, I wonder why you would want uh, Bill to be adopted by Bill Gates. But, you know, I even thought, why, well, what about old uh, Bill Jordan? Bill Jordan or whatever you want to call him with Realtree. I'd like for him to adopt me. Why? Because, man, he gets to hunt everywhere, and he's got all the land. <laughs> you know, so hunting is big for me. But whatever your reason, the whole deal is when we think of adoption, we always think of adopting a child or adopting an infant, adopting an orphan, adopting someone that's maybe on the other side of the world and bringing them here to the States. And remember, I wanted to give a quick review to y'all before I, I conclude this series. And the review is simply this. The Jews in the Jewish culture, they adopted for two reasons. They, in order to have children and then for someone to take care of them when they got older. And so that was the primary reason. But when Paul was writing in, in Romans here, that the reason that the Romans adopted were for a whole different reason. But here were the benefits of once you were adopted. I'm going to go over these five things real quick. Number one was you have a new father. You have a new father. Okay, that doesn't mean that your earthly father doesn't exist, but now you've been adopted into a new family, and this father has a lot of resources. And number two was whatever he has, you are now an heir to his estate. Number three was all your past sins, all your past debts, not sins, but all your past debts have been wiped out, clean. No history of them. That's good enough right there to be adopted. <clears throat> Number four was you were, you were purchased with a high price. You were paid for with a high price. And ultimately, as I shared with you in the Roman culture, there were nine Caesars that were adopted. Julius Caesar adopted Augustus. And Augustus ended up adopting Tiberius. And so there, there's a long line of 
adults that were adopted. And here's the final thing. Once you were adopted, it was permanent. You could not be unadopted. You were signed, sealed, and delivered into that family. So what I'm going to be doing today is tying in two of those things in the conclusion of this series, and that is the number two and number five. Number two was you're now heir to his estate, and finally the fifth one was it's permanent. So what we're going to be looking at today is adopted by God an eternal inheritance to be received. So our two verses that we're going to have is found in Romans chapter 8. So if you turn there in your Bible or go to your phone and look it up, but we're going to read these two verses here in Romans chapter 8, picking up in verse 17. It says, And if children, your heirs also, your heirs of God and your fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Two verses. But those two verses, y'all, are loaded. Now, what usually has to happen in order to receive an inheritance? That's right. You're right, Amy. I read her lips. I can't hear you, but I read your lips. She said, somebody has to die. Somebody has to die. And you know, that's the way we receive things in this world someone and it's usually someone that we care about and love a lot it's not you know some of you might have that rich aunt or uncle that you might have did a little bit for you and they just decided to leave you millions of dollars anybody in the room have that one i want to talk to you afterwards if you do we got a church building to be on <laughs> all right no i'm just teasing god's going to take care of that he's done told me he's got this but usually it's someone we care dearly about. And listen, the Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And I know Davey and I share some grandsons together, and I always think about him, and I think about myself when I think about our grandchildren. A good man is going to leave an inheritance, but what kind of inheritance are we going to be leaving? What is it? Is it a temporary inheritance or is it an eternal inheritance? And so that's where we're going with this morning. And, and this is what is beautiful, is that we're going to discover that we're going to be receiving something that can never go away. Never go away. So based upon these verses, I want to give you this first truth that's found in verse 17, and that is this. You're once adopted by God, you have an eternal inheritance. You have an eternal inheritance. Now let that sink in for a moment. Some of you might be thinking, well, you know, I don't know if I'll ever get an inheritance in this life. Maybe your mom or dad didn't have much financially. And you might be thinking, I might not get a lot of monetary things, but they're going to leave you something. But think about this. This is God. Once he's adopted you, there's no one, there's nothing bigger than God, okay? <laughs> nothing bigger, nothing greater. 
And when God says to you, once I've adopted you, you're my son, you're my daughter, here's, here's what you're going to receive, an eternal inheritance. Now, what sticks with me about that is it's permanent. It can't be taken away. It will never fade. You know, you're going to get some things. You know, you might have that granddaddy had that shotgun, or you might get that truck or that vehicle, and some of those things are eventually going to wear out, aren't they, uh, and over time. But here's the deal. There is something about God's inheritance that he's leaving with you that will be permanent. It's eternal. It will never fade. It will never lose its worth. Now that, let that sink in this morning. Once I'm adopted, I'm receiving an eternal inheritance from God. Now, I don't know how you felt when you woke up this morning, but that ought to make you feel better. That ought to make you go, ooh. So I do, I do get concerned about my retirement, and I do get a little looking into what it might be and how much money we're going to have. We, we're supposed to look into those things, and we're supposed to be prepared the best we can be, but there are things that are happening in this world that are out of my control that I can't do anything about, and then I look at my savings and I see it go down and then I go oh. and then I go okay thank you Lord that my eternal inheritance will never diminish one iota it will never fade away it will never lose its value in fact it will shine in its glory forever and ever now that makes me feel a little bit better no that makes me feel a lot better and I move on from that so you have an eternal inheritance you've received from god and here's the second one once adopted by god not only you have an internal internal inheritance from god you are now fellow heirs with jesus christ you are now fellow heirs with jesus christ <clears throat> some translations say joint heirs in other words you are now partners with jesus christ in what he has now let me ask you this question. What does Jesus have? What does he have? What does he possess? That's a good question. Here's, here's a verse for you. It's found in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. It says, God in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. That's Hebrews 1, 12, or 1, 2. Chapter 1, verse 2. Now, what did it say Jesus inherits? Everything. Everything. Oh, well, think about that. If you've ever sat down and they were reading the will, and you're with some of your family members, you're going to be wondering, what do I get? What part do I get? Well, listen, folks. Jesus has, in, has inherited everything from the father and then he goes and says this in this verse for us today verse verse uh, right here it says we are joint heirs we're fellow heirs with christ so that means that everything that he now has we now have so we get to share it with him hello hello 
Hallelujah. Grandma's got it right. That's a hallelujah right there. It's okay. Now, if you don't like to say hallelujah, we're in the South, you can say hallelujah. Now, we, we did that on a men's trip one time. We went fishing to Destin, and we said every person we'd meet and greet, we'd say hallelujah. And you'd be amazed how many people smile and begin to talk to you after you say that. Try it this week. Just go into Walmart and say hallelujah. They're either going to look at you like you're crazy or either they're going to talk to you and say, I like that. Where'd you get that from? Say, my pastor said to tell you that this week. Hallelujah. So y'all do it now. But that's a hallelujah moment, y'all, to realize that we share an equal in equally with Jesus. And he's been given everything. 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 Do you know, I share all of that to say this, in the Jewish culture, if a man had two sons, the oldest would receive two-thirds of the inheritance and the younger son would get a third. That's the way it was in Jewish culture. Now, some of you in the room going, I'm the oldest, I like that. I like that, man. I want a Jew to adopt me, and I want him to, I want him to make me the oldest in the family, so I get more. Well, that was the culture. And in fact, there's a parable in there in the Bible that talks about the prodigal son. And what did he do? He went to his father and he asked for the inheritance. Well, he was the younger. So he was asking for a third. But here's the deal. When the young prodigal did that, by asking for the inheritance before his father died, he was saying, in essence, Dad, you are dead to me. I want it now. I want it now. Give it to me. You're dead to me. And you know what? In that parable, which the father represents God, he gave it to him, didn't he? And he went out and spent it, and he blew it, and then he finally came to his senses when he was feeding the pigs, and he said, the servants at my father's house are treated better than I am. I'm going to go home and see if I can be a slave. And so what does the father do? The father runs to him, embraces him, and takes him in as a son and said, my son who was lost is now found. That's me and you, y'all. We're just like, we didn't deserve the two-thirds. We're just like that third, and we said, you know what, God, you're dead to me. But God says, you know what? When we come to our senses, he forgives us and he receives us. And then he lets us back in on all the inheritance. That's why the oldest son got mad. That's why he got mad. He's like, he's already done blown it. Why is he getting a share in on it again? There's a reason for that. You know, I don't look forward to the day that when my parents are gone and we're sitting down and we're got, we've got to go over everything. I know that day will come. But I don't look forward to it. I really don't. Because, you know, it's just like what my wife said when her dad died and then her brother died. She said, you know, you have that money, but I'd give it all up just to have them back. Isn't that true? Because that money means nothing. It means nothing. Having them means everything. But here's the deal. Someone had to die. But in this case, for us, in the eternal inheritance, Someone did die. His name is Jesus. 
He died on that cross for you and I so that we wouldn't have to. And now, because of what he did, we get to share in his eternal inheritance. And what he has, I have. So, listen, if you woke up this morning going, I'm a poor old, don't have nothing, will never be anybody, won't have anything in my life. Listen, if you're a child of a God, you are heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, and he has everything, so wake up. You got it all. You have it all. Woo, hallelujah. Oh, did I hear a hallelujah, y'all? Anybody? Okay. I thought I heard a few hallelujahs, but there might have been a hallelujah all in there. Woo, we might, they might get to shouting in here before it's over. Here's the next one. And I'm not going to be long. Y'all know I don't preach long. I tell you, you better listen. I don't repeat myself. You better listen. Here's the next one. Once adopted, your great inheritance is, your, is, is, is yet to come. And that is your greatest inheritance is yet to come, and that is glorification. Glorification. Now, what does that mean? He says right here in these verses, he says, If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Glorified with him, to be glorified. Now, remember, uh, you could put this on the screen the, the, with the arrows. The process of salvation works like this. The moment you and I were saved, like Zaria, when she accepted Christ here last Sunday morning, that was when she was justified. Salvation, justification means just as if I'd never sinned. All of her sins were placed upon Jesus on the cross, and all of his righteousness was placed upon her. And so what a great exchange. And so now she has been justified before a holy God. And she has been saved. And so once we're saved, we're still living here in this world that is not perfect. And no human being is perfect. And so what God does in this next part is called sanctification, which that means he sets us apart. That means that when someone looks at you, they know you are a believer because the Spirit of God is at work in you. The Spirit of God is love, joy, and peace, and patience, and gentleness, and kindness, and faithfulness, and meekness, self-control. And when people see that, they go, there's something about that person. And then you go, no, it's not me, it's God. It's God. And they get to see the fruit of the Spirit of God in us. But listen. I believe with all my heart that, and I, I say this, when, when God gives us a, a spouse, it's to sanctify us. Now, don't take that the wrong way. Some of y'all looking at your mate going, mm-hmm, I know what that means. But when he gives us a spouse, he, he does it to sanctify us. And that means because she's not perfect and I'm not perfect, then we have to learn to live life together. And I believe when God gives us children, come on now, he does the, the sanctifies. Now, there were some hallelujahs in here that, on that one now. Uh, hallelujah all came up. But because why? How many of you have been the perfect parent, always disciplined the correct way, did it right, you never failed, 
That's me? No. One of the most humbling things I've ever had to do is go tell my children, Daddy blew it. Daddy raised his voice at you. Daddy messed up. Now that is sanctification where we're having, we realize we're sin, we've sinned and we're coming clean and God's making us more into the image of his son. And then we get, in fact, this, this doesn't end till you, till you leave this world, okay? You're in process. And then we get to the last thing, which is our eternal inheritance, and that is called glorification. So while we're suffering over here, we've got to be thinking about the glory that we're going to have forever. Why? Because when we're suffering for Christ, that means the words while you suffer means you go through pain together. Anybody been through some pain together with a loss of a loved one? Hurting, but the pain, the suffering this is talking about here, y'all, is this. It's a spiritual suffering. In other words, it's a suffering that's not human suffering or human related, it's spiritual related. What I mean by that? You're suffering because, for the sake of Christ, because you are a believer. And any time you're suffering for the sake of Christ, then the glory will come later. How much did Jesus suffer? Man, he went through a lot. And if he said, listen, if you're my follower, if I'm the teacher, if I'm going to suffer, don't think you're going to not suffer. So all of this teaching that's in the world that, you know, you get saved, everything's great, you never have any problems or worries, and you're going to have all wealth and all that, that's just a bunch of baloney. But suffering is a part of the glorification process that we go through. If we have suffered with him in this life only, but then we get to share in the glory. Now, this is what I love about this. Because if you go on down and you look at it, a few verses down in verse 23, it says, And not only this, but we, also, but we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our body. So, you see what's happening is we're in this body while we're in the sanctification process, but when we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. And so glorification is now signed, sealed, and delivered at that stage. But while we're over here, we groan. Now some of us moan, but we groan. And you know why we groan? Because we're as, as the Bible says, we're wanting to be released from this body of sin and death. How many of you have sinned and said, I'll never do that sin again, and then you did it? If you didn't raise your hand, then you're not with us today. Every one of us in this room have said, I'll never do that again, and then we did it, and then we felt terrible as we did it. Well, guess what this is? This is sanctification. And here's the deal. If you can sin and, and then feel good about it and not worry about it, wipe your mouth and say, I've done nothing wrong, then you need to get the justification <laughs> part right. Because when you're in this stage and you're going through it, God disciplines us and he loves us and he sanctifies us. 
So when we do blow it, he wants us to come to him and say, I blew it. And he goes, I know. I know you blew it, but I love you, and I receive you, and I welcome you to keep walking with me. And guess what? I know you're going to blow it again, but I'm going to be there again, and I'm going to be there again. That's a father. That's being adopted. Now, having this eternal inheritance is so good because he goes on to say in verse 18, he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, so while I'm going through this sanctification process and the sufferings of it, he says, are not worthy, not even worthy to be compared with the glory that is yet to be revealed to us. So in other words, what I'm going through and my body's groaning to be released from, whatever's in this stage is nothing in comparison to glorification because here's the key there was a there was a time in scripture to where jesus was transformed in front of two of his disciples when he took them up onto the mount of transfiguration and when they saw that the glory of god was revealed that moment here's the deal for us y'all while we're in this body in this tent as it's called in the bible we can't see God's glory and live. We would die. But what happens is that we re get released from this and we get the glorified body, just like Jesus' glorified body, and then that's a body that has no more knee pain. It's a body that has no more backaches. It's a body that has no more asthmas, no more things you have to suffer with and go through in life. It's a body that has been completed and perfected, and it is glorified. Miss Nettie has a glorified body. She's healed. She's completely healed. Mentally, physically, everything about it healed. That's glorified. Now, y'all, that is our greatest treasure, is the fact that we eventually... Pass out of that and enter into a glorified state forever. No more capability to sin. No more pain. No more suffering. So what does God encourage us with in this, ver in this, in this text? He says, just remember while you're going through this, that this is yet to come. And just remember that this is nothing in comparison to what this is. This is temporary. Glorification is eternal. Now, how many times have you been with your kids and you're, you're waiting on something, and I've heard people go, this line is forever. This, this traffic, I've been sitting in traffic forever. How many of y'all have said that? I'm going to tell you. You just think it's forever. You think summer, this heat, oh, can't wait until the fall. It's burning up. It's, it's going to be hot forever. Because it's going to get cold and then you're going to be going, I wish it was hot. But listen, this is temporary, but listen, y'all, forever is forever. And to forever be given <laughs> my final inheritance, God says, is you will be able to 
have a glorified body to be able to really experience me as God and you've inherited everything I have to give you and you're going to be with me forever and we're going to be, just to be with God forever, to be a joint heir with Jesus forever. Everything he has is ours. Now listen, who would not want that deal? Who would be so foolish to say, just let that pass away? In other words, the person that just says, you know what, I don't care, I don't want to be justified, I want to live on this side of the cross, and I want to live my life for me right now, and I'm going to just do it for me, because I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry, and then my life is done. Is that you? Or are you going to come to the foot of the cross and be justified, and then you get cleaned up, being sanctified, and then eventually, when you breathe your last breath, in this earth, you'll go into the presence of God, and then you will be glorified. Woo! That's what it means to have an eternal inheritance. And you know what? That only comes by being adopted by God. You know, I said from day one, every person has been made in the image of God but only those who have been, who've received the Spirit of God and received Jesus are adopted by God. So the question is, have you been adopted? And I want you to think back. Who was that person? You said Bill Gates. I said, well, Bill Jordan. Well, spiritually speaking, can you say this morning, you know what? It sure feels great to know I've been adopted by God. Let's pray.